Learning scripture, knowing Christ. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. And we are continuing our series on the Enneagram. And today's episode is entitled The Basics. So we're going we're gonna to look at the basics of the Enneagram. Uh, and all the stuff that is kind of uh, the underlining understanding of what things are. Uh, because you might hear a couple different definitions. Uh, do we know what grace really is? Sanctification, atonement. We cannot just accept or assume accuracy without scripture. No one personally has the authority to speak truth without scripture. Truth requires precision. And you've probably heard me teach that before if you've been listening to us a while. That truth requires precision. A lot of stuff with the Enneagram is making a lot of different assumptions as to, oh, yeah, grace, I'm using the word grace. But is the definition the same biblically as it's being communicated through the Enneagram? And the same thing with any word, sanctification, atonement, right? any church word, if you want to call them churchy words or whatever, uh, theological terms. Uh, we cannot accept or deny things solely on our experiences either. One might say the Enneagram helped me, or it works for me. Or like Cron and Stabile wrote that they found it to be, quote, very helpful. To say that is to deny scripture and trump the Bible's authority and the power of God. All right, so first, we, we can find a lot of redefined words. And that could happen because there's an assumption that there is this authority that Enneagram teachers have. Or if you are participating with the Enneagram, that there's a certain authority that, you know what, hey, you are a number six or you're a number four. And with authority, that is who you are. And because of that, it's very unbiblical. unbiblical. And we're going we're gonna to go through the error uh, with that. Why is no one saying that Scripture holds complete authority, but is quick to add a supplementary tool as if Scripture is insufficient? Why? Because of the cult of self that we went through last week. Uh, we found out that a lot of the cult of self is uh, everything that the Enneagram is about is the self, and we love it. We flock to that kind of thing because we are enamored. Uh, I'm sorry, we're infatuated uh, with ourselves that, you know, I'm in love with myself and I want to know about myself. I want to be able to be better, do better, whatever it might be. Uh, but once again, there's underlining tones and kind of uh, uh, underlining stuff within the neogram that is actually going in the complete opposite direction. Uh, we want more of ourselves while Christ has stated differently. Uh, we don't want conviction that prompts glorifying Christ. We don't want to die to self to live for Christ. We want us, and without reservations, to hardship. Now, I'm all about not having hardship. <laughs> uh, but if you are a Christian, that's what's going to happen. Jesus said it himself. You're going to undergo persecution. Oh, my gosh. It's been on my mind so much. Oh, yes. And oh. specifically you, because you, oh. you were in, yeah, well, uh, recently. Yesterday. Uh, the most recent, if you want, uh, would you call it persecution or just uh, dim-witted bullying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both? Or both. Bully. Maybe yeah. both, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could share a little bit after we get into it somewhere. Wherever you want me to, buddy. All right. All you right. tell we'll me when. 
We'll do that when we get to a certain part. Okay. Are you ready? Do you even know what part? Yeah. No, I do. I okay. Do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Um, so are you ready, Danielle? Yes. And are you ready, Raylin? <laughs> <laughs> She's got a mouthful of... Is that milk? Chocolate milk still? Or just no, water? it's what? water. It was water. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> but it almost went all over the mic. Yeah, it, it almost came out your nose, too, I think. But All right. So are you ready? Heck yeah. I, yeah. Without further ado, here, here we, we go. go. So the basic beliefs of all versions of the Enneagram. Now, it's funny how there's so many different versions. Why is that? Like, I, I'm genuinely curious. Why are there so many different versions of the Enneagram? Uh, but what yeah, like every single note. Huh? What do you <clears throat> what do you mean by versions? Like there's different tests. Like people have different tests for the Enneagram. I think all the numbers are basically the same, right? Like a one yeah, is a one the across the board or a two is a two, whatever it is. Um, but why are the, like, why are the questions different? Why are the, the way that they're explained different? So it's not even consistent? No. Like well, a, the numbers are consistent. The shape the and all that. the questions aren't. But everything else, uh, how, it, how it's explained is not. Yeah, this is supposed to be reliable? Well, there's so many different books that yeah. like go through them differently. Yeah. But like, so did I tell you I saw somewhere at a church that they were doing, sorry, (laughs) they were doing the Enneagram, but they did, they did different characters of the Bible for the numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think we've mentioned it already. Richard Rohr connects different characters of the Bible to different numbers. Yeah, but I mean, but it wasn't like they didn't. It was almost like the spiritualizing of it by saying over spiritualizing. Yeah, yeah, by like instead of it being a number, like you are more like this person in the Bible. Yeah, you <laughs> and seem all to, it reminded. Yeah. No, I'm laughing though too because all it reminded me of was when Tim Hawkins talks about the parking spots in a church he went to. Yeah. <laughs> being named after fruits of the spirit yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah that that also reminds me of when he's talking about uh naming kids av- like after biblical stuff and he's They're like sloth. let's just be yeah let's just be honest and he's sticks his belly out and he's like and deception's on the way <laughs> Okay, I'm like, my brain is uh, we'll just going to... through this at the moment yeah. with the, like, my brain is like, oh, I'm feeling very, like, Job today. Like, yeah. I'm feeling like a Job. Yeah. I'm just going through it. And then it's like, if you're having a good day, I don't know. Who's so happy? you're going to. Who's happy in the Mary Bible? Mary Magdalene. Yeah. So you're like <laughs> Job. Are you, does that mean you're going to go out and rub yourself with rocks instead of take a shower? I probably should. Or like, or oh, I feel so. M- I feel brave, like David up against Goliath. Yeah. Are you going to commit adultery and murder too? Like, wh- <laughs> gotta take the good with the bad. Gotta take it all. But, um, it, you know, it's. I'll. I will say this: there, there are biblical characters that are more relatable to, uh, but we always tend to lean towards those really fun, great, uh, personality typings 
and uh, and quirks that anybody has. Why do we never compare that, ourselves to Judas? I, yeah. Well, well, like I, I was just gonna say, like nobody wants to uh, look at the bad. We don't want to relate to being a sinner, and that's exactly what the point of the Enneagram is, is to avoid looking at the sinful nature. Can I be Jonah? I want to stay in my apartment by myself. Can I get eaten by a whale so I can just hide away? (laughs) Then be thrown up onto a seashore? No, I ain't leaving the whale. (laughs) Can you you imagine what he'd look like? Or smell. Yeah, or smell. Oh. All right. So the basic beliefs of all versions of the Enneagram uh, and while they may differ in some areas, there, there are definitely basic beliefs to all versions of the Enneagram. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them. We're not going to go through all of them. What we have here, these are like the big, big ones that are the most important to understand when it comes to the Enneagram. All right, so for the first one, uh, the Enneagram rejects basic theological principle of total depravity, original sin, and the fallen state of humanity. Now, that's like super super duper basic because the sinful nature uh you know genesis chapter three we messed up humanity messed up they ate the fruit whatever the fruit was you know and uh they they rebelled against god that is what the eating of the fruit is they disobeyed they rebelled against him and what for because they were they wanted themselves they want to be fulfilled and uh, they could not overcome that temptation. So that's the fallen state of humanity. And what's going to happen? God's going to send a way out of that. And that was through Jesus Christ. Now, did Jesus have to come to earth and die on a cross and be raised from the dead three days later if there was no such thing as the sinful nature and the fallen state of humanity? Absolutely not. Because... As the Enneagram teaches, it rejects all those theological principles of total depravity, original sin, and the fallen state of humanity. Rohr states that it is not sin, or how he describes it as moral wrongness, that destroys us, but identifying too closely to what we can do well. Both the good and bad are either side of the same coin. All right, so... Two things there. This moral wrongness, he calls it that because he doesn't believe that people are naturally uh, bent towards sin. All right. If you have ever known any toddlers <laughs> and they are together and there's one toy, it's real quick that you could tell, yeah, there's sin in the world. <laughs> all right. So this whole moral wrongness, and, and we can all understand that sometimes what we might say is wrong, another person may not say is wrong, and that's okay for either person. But biblically stating it doesn't say that it's sin, and that's the kind of thing that he's confusing with actual sin. All right, so for example, I, I love hot wings. I cannot eat them that much that <laughs> uh, that much anymore uh, because because they're so expensive. Col- well, that too, and cholesterol. <laughs> uh, but I will go out. But other people with different health issues, or maybe uh, they're vegan or something like that, they will avoid that kind of stuff. Does that mean that me eating them is sinful? No. Does that mean them not eating it and that it's required that they should eat it is sinful? No. But 
we would understand that as moral moral ways of living or whatever it might be uh different practices that we uh might get into our minds that and in our hearts that say you know what this is the moral thing for me now what richard rohr is saying <clears throat> what richard rohr is saying is that anything that has to do with anything that is combative to what you desire is the very thing that is moral wrongness. All of that is not sin. It is just moral wrongness. Now, that also includes the second part of this, is that what we can do well is also sinful. Okay, so if you're successful in one area, then that is wrong because that might actually take away. This actually, I was when I was studying up on the Enneagram, I was actually wondering if this is critical race theory. You know, I, I, I was I was seriously th- thinking this is this is what it sounds like. The one um, the one podcast I was listening to today was <clears throat> Ali Beth Stuckey and uh, Vadi Buchan. Bu- I'm probably butchering his name. Anyway, but they were talking <laughs> about the difference between equality and equity mm-hmm. and where equality is um, everybody has the same right to pursue something. So, like, no matter where you came from or whatever, you should have a right to pursue education you fill in the blank equity is what they're wanting which means everybody has to have the same thing and if somebody doesn't have it then they're being oppressed so like this person doesn't have an education education but this other one does the person with the education is oppressing the one without it because the one without it should have the same things yeah. It's like, but they were talking about like critical race theory and all yeah. those different things. Uh, but that's just about the same line that Richard Rohr teaches that uh, what we can do well is also considered moral wrongness. And, uh, you know, what we would understand as being sinful. But then again, he does not uh, adhere to the basic the- theological principle that we're in a fallen state, that there is such thing as sin, um, that Jesus Christ did come to earth to die for us as that uh, uh, substitutionary atonement. So with all of that, in uh, we'll look at some scripture here. Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So right there, Jesus even says there are different, I, I, I hate calling them levels, but there's no better word in English to, <laughs> that I could think of. Uh, but there are these levels. If you're going to be the least of these, it's because you are changing definitions. You're changing what scripture actually was intended for. It, that's exactly what Rohr is doing. Uh, but Jesus also says that uh, whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great. In the kingdom of heaven. So I'm teaching these kind of things, you know, or if anybody's teaching these things and they're they're not changing stuff, Jesus says those are the kind of people that are going to be great in the kingdom of God. But Roar is saying differently that those people are actually they actually have a moral wrongness. You know, it's it's almost equating that it's sinful, aka, oh well, no, it's just a moral wrongness. So where exactly is Roar getting at? Like, where is he going with this? Is it actual sinful or is it just a moral wrongness to do what scripture tells you to do? 
that's the Enneagram. In Matthew chapter 20 and in Mark 10, uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, they read the same thing. Uh, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So how do you be great? How do you teach these things? You do it by serving. And we've talked about this in other episodes, but um, I'll reiterate here. The whole principle, yeah, actually, I don't want to call it principle, the whole command of what Jesus says, everything that has to do with the gospel is serving. All right. We cannot glorify God if we're not being, if we're not in a, uh, a serving mood, I guess, or not mood. What's the word? Mentality. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we need to have a serving mentality. Uh, that is the nature of being a Christian. Uh, Rohr also states that no one willingly does evil, contrary to what Scripture states. Again, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus himself says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So once again, Rohr goes against what Scripture states. It makes me wonder why so many people equate the Enneagram then with something being Christian. When so far, I've only looked at how many verses here, and just a couple, uh, one thing about the basic beliefs of uh, all versions of the Enneagram. All right? Not, it doesn't adhere to total depravity, original sin, or the fallen state of humanity. And already, look at all the stuff that it's affecting. With the Enneagram, we do not have to die to self because there is nothing innately wrong with us. It teaches that God loves the sum of us, including the dark side, and so does not require us to change. Again, Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus saying it again. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, again... An Enneagram teaching something contrary to Scripture. James chapter 4, verse 9. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And why would, why would we have to do that? Because there is a fallen state that we are in. We have a sinful nature and we, that needs to die. Jesus said it himself. Die to self. Okay? Because... That dying is what brings us to obedience to Christ. That doesn't mean the Enneagram should be pointing us to our inner selves and live for that. That means live for Christ. And that's why there's this grieving, this mourning and wailing that James writes about, because there is a dying to self. All right. Number two. The Enneagram relies on, quote, new consciousness, because scripture is insufficient, apparently. Uh, The Enneagram is a, quote unquote, a sacred map for our souls. When better understood, it leads to, quote, true identity and to God. Wow. The Enneagram leads us to God, not not scripture. You know, scripture is not the thing that points to God. Uh, It's not the spirit that convicts us to obedience to Christ. It doesn't point us to Christ. But no, according to the Enneagram, uh, it it leads to a true identity and to God. 
It is. That's heresy if I've ever heard uh, it. Oh yeah. We need a button. This is. I want that's a button. Heresy. This says like heretic or heresy. <laughs> yeah. I, I want a button. You should. Yeah. You should just take the clip of from the conference oh. and have it added in there. Mm, <laughs> of Elisa yeah. saying heretic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think uh, we're gonna do an episode that'll be released on our, our uh, thoughts on that on the uh, the, conference. the conference. So. After the Enneagram. More stuff, to come. Yeah, more to come. Yeah. So it is all about the cell. And I I sound like a broker in the record, but hey, hello, the Enneagram is all about you. Uh, so much so that, for example, all, practice, uh, all practices lead to a, quote, self-observation, self-study, and self-development. Now, everything that I'm reading in quotes are from the Enneagram teachers. Okay? So... You know, if you if you want to listen to those teachers over uh, what Scripture says, this is what they're saying. Uh, it this, all practice lead to a self observation, self study, and self development. So please, if you are all about the Enneagram, do not tell me that it ha- really isn't about that. When so far, a hundred percent of what I'm reading is all about only the self. Okay. Um, and yeah, you can argue it, it leads you to a true identity and to God. But like I said, that's not in scripture. Okay. It, like if, if you want to be led to God, pick up your Bible, read it or listen to it. Some people might argue that, but it's wanting to make you more like God. But then I would kind of argue with, well, how is that any different than all of the self-help books of like, how to become a better entrepreneur, how to become a, you know, fill in the blank. It's still about how I, how you become this thing. Mm -hmm. And what thing are we becoming? That's the, that's really the, the big question. And I think we're going to get to that a little bit more towards the end, because what is the Enneagram uh, developing us into? All right. Uh, The Enneagram is thoroughly Gnostic. And we've mentioned that in the first the first episode of the series. Rohr asserts that the term Christ consciousness, all right? And take note of that. It doesn't say Christ-likeness, all right? Christ consciousness. And when we have a full understanding of it, we understand that God is within all of creation, including ourselves. Therefore, we also have divinity within us, and that path through new consciousness or new awareness leads to spiritual maturity. It is a knowledge necessary to obtain in order to become spiritual mature uh, rather than a faith in action. There is the difference between Gnosticism and educa- education concerning knowledge. Okay, I want to make that clear. When we talk about Gnosticism, we're not talking about being educated. All right, because this Gnosticism, there's a special knowledge that, need, that you need to be aware of. Now, in the Enneagram, what is that special knowledge? And next episode, we're going to get through uh, more in depth into this definition. Uh, but real quick, the Enneagram uh, teaches that, uh, it, I mean, all of its teachings are based on the fact that Rohr and, the, and its teachers and the Enneagram is founded on the th- false theological uh, understanding that Everything is panentheism. Now, not pantheism, okay, that uh, everything is a god. 
panentheism is that it's monotheistic, that there is one God, but that one God is in everything. All right, so panentheism states that everything that is on earth, in creation, everything, a rock, you, me, uh, the trees outside, the air, everything has a piece of God within it. That means that we have a part of deity within us. Now, the Enneagram, to get to that Christ consciousness that is within us, that God-likeness in us, uh, we need to have a new consciousness or a new awareness. All right? And that is the thing that leads to spiritual maturity. It is a knowledge, a special knowledge, necess- that's necessary to obtain in order to become spiritually mature rather than having a faith that's put into action. So the Enneagram, according to panentheism, it's not just all about yourself, but yourself is actually uh, a piece of deity that you need to unlock, that you need to uh, use that Enneagram number and walk that path in whatever uh, aspects that are connected to your, uh, your type. That is what is going to unlock your godness in you. And that is how Christians equate having a Christ-likeness. That is not what Christ-likeness is. The Enneagram is actually teaching that you yourself are God. That is heresy 101. Do people not have red flags? Like, do they not? Well, that that's the thing. And, and, <laughs> and this is what aggravates me so much is because the Enneagram does not communicate it that way. Because it uses language that is so very subtle, such as Christ consciousness. Well, in a Christian's mind, that's e- e- equivalent to Christ-likeness. That's not the same thing. We got to look at the definitions of things. How are they communicating what these different words are? And, and stuff like um, a new consciousness or a new awareness, that sounds like, hey, the renewing of the mind. You know, that's scriptural. Because we need to do that. That's part of dying to the self. But that is not what the Enneagram teaches. It teaches that you are actually a part of deity and you need to unlock that. Which goes back to the first one where, you know, you're not you don't have a sinful nature because if you have a sinful nature, then you must not have a piece of God in you. That was another thing that was on the podcast that I listened to. Mm-hmm. That was um, you, you can capture people. I mean, they were specifically talking about... Um, like different social movements or whatever <clears throat> with words that sound good or sound biblical. And people are like, well, yeah, I want to be on board with that because it's good. But in the carrying out of that thing, they've changed the definition. They don't yeah. outright tell you this is the new definition of this word, but they get you with the word that sounds familiar and sounds good. So you can be captured by these things that sound good and then be carried through this system or these steps of things that are not actually biblical. Second Timothy chapter four, one through four reads in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And then verse three reads, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers 
to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, I don't, I don't know if we can consider the Enneagram a myth. It's definitely not old enough. <laughs> um, but this is exactly what's going on with the Enneagram here. When it's, when it's teaching stuff like this new awareness and new consciousness, changing def- different definitions, but really this is a Gnostic idea where we have a godness in, in uh, us all that we need to unlock. People want to hear that either directly or indirectly. Usually it's the like gung-ho new agers, whether they're Christian or not, you know, that, that really adhere to that kind of stuff. They, they love those. It tickles their, their hearts. It's itching their ears like what Paul writes. Uh, but all this kind of stuff summed up in, in just a few words, all it's doing is tickling your ears. These are false teachers teaching false things. It's not Christian. It's not biblical. All right, so number three. Attaining spiritual growth and holiness is not done by the Spirit, but by internalization. It is the self that brings us back to our true essence. The Enneagram is a, quote, map for self-liberation that leads to inner peace, not glorification of God. All of this growth is works-based rather than Spirit-empowered, Though it might sound biblical, it is doublespeak. It's vague, it distorts, it obs- or obscures. There is use of definition alteration and or hijacking. Euphemisms are a key way uh, that doublespeak is used. Uh, for example, don't always play the part of the rebel, which uh, sometimes you have to be. I'm being rebellious. <laughs> I'm going against the Enneagram. Yeah. You are, are too. Aren't we all rebellious? Yeah, we're. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, rhetoric is also key in person. All right. Half, half truth plus half truth does not always equal truth, it equals a lie. All right. Just because two halves are, are uh, half truths doesn't mean a whole truth. Okay. So, when this, when this rhetoric comes about, especially in person, when they're saying stuff like, don't always play the part of the rebel. First of all, always is a, is a superlative. So if there's ever superlatives used, and we, I think it annoys my family. Dom doesn't like, like superlatives. Don't use a superlative. He well, when the kids like argue, like he always does. No, he doesn't. Well, she always, she never. You know, it's like no, don't use those words because it's not always true. You always use superlatives. I, I just used one. I, I was making... They're not always... I was, like, tr- making yeah, a joke. It was, yeah, I was making a joke, too, and you interjected it. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't hear your joke, sorry. Yeah, you were too busy, busy talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the superlative, uh, don't always play the part of the rebel, because... Now, now that puts a picture in your mind. What is it, what is it like to be against... Uh, to have a rebel against you? It's not comfortable because that requires, uh oh, correction or a change or anything like that. Now, Danielle, what's the what's that movement that's been going around that we've been listening about about the he gets the he, he gets, gets us, us yeah, where some of a little bit of Jesus has been portrayed as a rebel. 
but that's not actually biblical. Jesus was the only one that actually was able to fulfill everything that has been prophesied about himself. You know, and and like I, I kind of get that he was being rebellious, but really the only ones that have been rebellious is all of humanity. You look through the Gospels, who is the one that's rebelling? It's the Pharisees and Sadducees. It's the uh, even his disciples that are like, no, you, you, you will surely not die or anything like that. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter. He has to correct him, saying, like, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about things you don't know about. <laughs> you know, who's going to be great? Who's going to be the least? Who's going to sit on your right and left hand? Like, Jesus was not the rebel. We are. So when it comes to the Enneagram, we are ultimately rebelling against him because it flies in the face of the reason why he came to earth and died for us all. All right, we don't we don't need to internalize any of this kind of stuff uh, to find this this new true essence or anything like that. Uh, spiritual growth and holiness is not internalization. It's not sticking everything into ourselves. What what the enneagram is teaching us. All right, if if you want to put a biblical definition to what uh, spiritual growth and holiness looks like. It is dying to self. And whatever that dying looks like should be looking like it's glorifying Christ. All right, number four. Salvation also becomes work-based, earned by recovering the true self. All right, and we kind of touched on that a little bit because there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to do according to your uh, personality typing. Okay, you have to... You have to abide by what, what that teaches. Um, and, and I think we've already made this very clear that we are not the same people every day. Not every month, not every year. We change. There's ebbs and flows of our lives, okay? It's going to change. If you are a four today, you may not be a four tomorrow, okay? And you, How do they remedy that, though? You got wings, all right? Why do we have wings? It's because the Enneagram is not accurate. So they have to add wings, all right? Because we're tripolar. Tripolar. <laughs> but anyway, I was reading through the different typings for each personality in a couple of different books, and I'm like, I've got a lot of, uh, at least a couple things in each and every single one. Some of them, yeah, they had more, but I had tendencies in all of them. And that's why I was joking around, like, I'm a number 10, because <laughs> I... Because like, look at look at me. I'm a ten, you know. But like, wh- what if down the road, 10, 15, 20 years from now, the enneagram is upgraded, and there is a tenth one? What are we gonna do then? Oh my goodness! It's because it's not accurate. It's not stable. All right, there. It's actually not working. But we fall into this trap where, oh, there. I have this type, and I'm gonna go with that, and that's it. Well, it cracks me up because it's like <clears throat> nowhere have I read a Bible verse that said, and Jesus said, become more like me. You must be your truest, most authentic, deepest self. Yeah. No, he said, throw off your <laughs> old self. Yeah. Guys, there's going to be a Bible out soon that's like, 
uh, it'll take things like that, like, you know, but instead it'll be like, make sure you act more like a number four or, you know, like whatever. In this kind like, of situation. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like if this, if the person ugh. you're going to evangelize is an, is an atheist, then you have to bring out your, yeah. They're going to change it's the gonna stories. Be, yeah. It's going to be like, build your house like a number two instead of a number five. Like all right, it, oh. if you're here, <clears throat> if you're hearing this and you're all about the Enneagram, we're sorry. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. No, we're, we're really not sorry, but I would love for you to come back to me when all this comes true. It ebbs and flows. It's not stable. Um, but what is definitely stable is the word of God. What is unchanging is our God. I, I would not I would not put my uh, life's meaning and purpose into something that has no stability. All right. I would not put any dedication to something that is that unstable. All right. Um, but anyway, the, the, the whole thing about salvation, it, it, you know, it's all about uh, doing this work that is a part of your personality typing. Salvation, to be clear, is by grace through faith. Okay, that that's that's the summary of salvation uh, through scripture. Uh, but the Enneagram asserts more doublespeak. That sounds like that. But it is all about recovering the true self in order to restore our relationship with God. Salvation is already there, according to the Enneagram, and just needs to be realized in the true self. All right. Harping back to, hey, we have a piece of deity in us. All right. We just need to get to that. We have to go down that certain pathway, that certain Enneagram number, uh, to obtain that. We are all, re- all, all of us are already saved, according to the Enneagram. We just need the Enneagram to help us be more aware of that. Newsflash. That is not what Scripture says. Scripture says, going back to the whole fallen state of humanity, you are in a sinful state, and you do don't need the Enneagram to get you to, to obtain your salvation. Salvation has already been secured by Jesus Christ. We just now need to submit to him. All right. Language de- is redefined in all of this. Redemption, Rohr defines it this way. All right. Rohr, Rohr says redemption is this. In Christianity, redemption from the false self is understood as a gift of God's grace. We should pray as if it depended on, uh, on God and act as though everything depended on ourselves. Let me read that again. In Christianity, redemption from the false self is understood as a gift of God's grace. We should pray as if it depended on God and act as though everything depended upon ourselves. Rohr is stating that the way that we act, the way that we we behave, the way that we uh, utilize our Enneagram number and that personality typing is dependent upon ourselves to obtain redemption. That is how Rohr defines redemption. All right. And again, redemption from the false self is understood as a gift of God's grace. All right. So the true self gets us to salvation that we have to work towards redemption that we have to work towards. And the false self is something that is what? 
because sin isn't a thing with the Enneagram. And this whole panentheism is, you know, we have a little piece of God in ourselves. We have to come to this realization. We're not actually acting like God if we're our false selves. Because I'm aware that I need Christ, it draws me closer to him, not because of an Enneagram. All right. In other words, uh, faith that's being redefined. Rohr states that faith, quote, is actually a way to keep us learning, growing, and being transformed into God not just a security blanket of doctrinal statements and moral principles. All right. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give him that faith is not just a, an organization like a, uh, uh, which, what faith do you adhere to Christianity or, or uh, uh, Islam or Judaism or what, what faith it, that that's how he's assuming that we understand faith, but faith he is he, he's also stating that is it's actually a way to keep us learning growing and being transformed into god the way that faith is very clear in scripture is not that faith is actually dependence on god it's putting our trust in him all right now now in in the greek it's often translated as a verb that it's something that you do but it's actually something because of what God does that we, therefore, in response, become more tr- uh, trusting of him. So, whacked out. Um, <laughs> uh, with redefining biblical theology, holiness, sin, faith, grace, mercy, etc., anything goes. The, the key point is the true self. And so, con- uh, conversion is not to Christ, but whatever holy idea that pertains to the individual's specified enneagram number. And if you are already a Christian, you are a better Christian living by your number. Additionally, salvation is no longer about Jesus' death on a cross for our sins. The Enneagram has replaced that with the new nine ways we can escape our illusionary false self, regain the true self, and, quote, find our way back to God. What about Scripture? Rohr also teaches that, the quote, the Enneagram like the spirit of truth itself, will always set you free. But first, it will make you miserable. Now, I, I, that's another thing I got to give him. Yeah, it, sometimes it does get miserable uh, dying to self because there's a lot of denying of ourselves that we need to do in order to live for Christ. But what he's getting at is that the Enneagram is like the spirit of truth itself. And that when we go through the Enneagram, yeah, it's it's going to set you free, but it's going to make you miserable first, just like the Holy Spirit. Yo, listen, the Holy Spirit will convict you. You shouldn't need the Enneagram or any other self-help crap out there. Okay, like why are we, go- as a church, why are we okay with teachings like this? With the Enneagram, why are we having small groups that are teaching that the Enneagram is like the Holy Spirit? Why? <laughs> like, whoa, come on. If that's not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I don't know what is then. All right, number five, healing in relationship requires knowledge. Now, I'm all about like understanding people. Uh, because otherwise, then, you know, that, that could create a lot of chaos. Uh, but what, what the Enneagram is getting at when it comes to 
uh, relationships requiring knowledge and that healing requires knowledge goes back to the Gnostic thing again. It, it requires a special uh, understanding, a special knowledge. All credit goes to the Enneagram, first of all. Meanwhile, it was stated by Rora that it was not discovered by Christians, regardless. All right, so when it comes to, ha- hey, I have a great relationship now because of the Enneagram stuff, or I've had this healing, um, which, by the way, what kind of healing? Did, did you ever notice, oh, the healing that I had was something that was, uh, it, usually it's a mental thing or an emotional thing. Um, how come the Enneagram hasn't healed people with cancer? How come it hasn't healed, you know, sicknesses? That kind of stuff. It's because the Enneagram, again, is limited. So if Rohr is stating that uh, it was not discovered by the Christians, why are we giving credit to the Enneagram for all of this type of stuff, great relationships and, and different types of healing? All right, that... Uh, we can leave that question un, unanswered because it's kind of clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's only unity when certain Enneagram numbers align. But again, in, another newsflash, that's not what unity is. All right, We can have differences and still be united. All right, uh, That's segregation instead and separating, forming internal cliques and subgroups. It gives people an out. Oh, yeah, that's like, yeah. Oh, well, either they might know your number and know your tendencies. So therefore, well, I just can't deal with that kind of person, you know, or it's because they're that kind of person that they're acting that way and we can't do anything about it. Or I'm this kind of person, so I can't do that. Yeah. All right. That's not unity, church. When we, when we separate because of different numbers, that's not unity. Yeah, you might have unity because you, ha- you connect to people with the same numbers or your wing numbers or whatever it might be. Uh, but what it comes down to is that if you are separating yourself because the Enneagram says that you may not function as well around those people, you are going 100% against what Scripture says. The thing is, get to know somebody by getting to know them. Like, why do we have to take a personality test to get to know somebody? Yeah, we said that last episode. Like, when we met each other, we were no. we didn't sit down and be like, hey, let's well, take this test. So, I, yeah. Because I think even if people do not admit this, I've <laughs> seen it and it would make sense. If you're sitting in a group of people and you're taking this test, and, you know, at the end, it's about, like, sharing what your results were and all of that stuff. There's automatically a judgment going on in your head, whether you yeah. will admit it. But if you hear what somebody else's personality is, I guarantee you some of your interactions with that person are going to be affected by the fact that you're thinking, oh, that person's a four. Yeah. Instead of that person's a Trying person. Yeah. And let's just talk to them with respect. And I mean, because I remember when I took it, there was a particular person who said something about, I really don't, I don't get along well with fours. One of my wings was a four. And I was like, okay. Let me throw this out there. Relationships take work. It, they do. It, it's not like, hey, you just get together and some people click. Yeah, that happens. But other times, especially within the church, you're, you're going to end up butting heads. That means you actually have to work harder. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, what's your Enneagram number? Okay, I'm just going to not. <laughs> okay. 
that's that's taking the enneagram is taking away from that hard work that we all should be doing like danielle and i we have pursued after people for for reconciliation for forgiveness for for working through things and what were we given a big old ice cold shoulder we were given silence we were given a whole slew of things that were that were not biblical we were given a whole bunch of excuses we did our part in trying to work toward within this relationship but it's not one-sided it has to happen on both so when it comes to saying hey my enneagram number is going to is going to be this type and that's the kind of type my, that's the kind of people that i hang with then you're robbing the entire church of what could be okay i have an, another take okay ready um so you like even in, in thinking about marriage I mean, we've had to fight in our relationship. Not like, yes, we fight <laughs> like people. But Take like, out the boxing gloves, that kind of? No, <laughs> no but I mean, marriage is not always lovey-dovey. And we've gone through a lot of stuff. But I would argue, so uh, say I learn my Enneagram type and you learn yours. I might need to set mine aside for you instead of using mine as, well, this is how I do it. And this is how I, yeah. like it is, it, it is okay to have a conversation to say, yeah. I'm not hearing you right or. Yeah. Or kind of like saying, because I am a certain number, you have to treat me this yeah. way. Yeah. Well, and so I saw this thing on, on a Facebook the other day and I almost shared it and made a comment and I'm <laughs> trying to remember how it was worded, but it was, it was all about the self and it was all about, you don't sacrifice yourself or your needs and your desires for other people. If somebody tries to take that from you, like one of those, and I'm going, as a, the, the, I think the sad part was, it wasn't like a Christian post or anything, yeah. but there's so many Christians I see post that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. the exact opposite of what God calls love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, sorry, you have a, your car's broken down. I can't involve myself that. Like yeah. there's legitimate things like I might not actually be able to help you with, but there's a difference between that and an attitude of I need to protect myself right now and I can't step out of my comfort zone and do that because I just really wouldn't like that. Do you think Jesus well, enjoyed carrying a cross yeah. and taking it up there and dying on it? it? It is ridiculous though that because of how ingrained that an individual can get with their Neagram type, that that kind of stuff happens. And, and that's the whole point of this, this point is because, Hey, I, I know it's been working real good for you and, uh, it, it's, it's helped different wounds here and there. And it's helped in your relationships that are your click, you know, that, but you're hurting other people. And when it's been used in a lot of like worker group settings, it's touted as we're doing this so we can understand each other better. Um, yeah. At the end of okay. it, I hear so, you talking about your own. Yeah. All the time. Exactly. Because what what's going to happen if the leader, the one that's in charge, who are they going to listen to more? And make decisions based off of that. That. You know. Yeah. I'm yeah. S- I'm si- you, s- you know, I'm sitting here thinking like the work thing, and like, so my previous job you know retail lovely (laughs) 
I, I'm sitting here wondering because, like, I'm thinking about that. Like, we were such a close-knit group of people who had so many different perspectives. And when you use something like the Enneagram, you take that away. Like, I was friends with atheists, agnostics, whatever else you want to be. Like, it's a, <laughs> it was like a mix of people. And, I, and, you, and because of them, I learned a lot. But, like... At the same time, if you stick to this typecasting thing, you're not going to hear anything different. You're not going to learn anything. So even if you want to, it sounds so cheesy, but like you really just don't diversify then. Like everybody's no. all about diversity. There, yeah. There's, but if you're like, not. oh, I can't be around this type, then you've just lost a, a, a person and like, I, I, I guess a whole sect of people because you're not willing to get to know them and try and maybe, I don't know, work on yourself and be like, I don't know, maybe more tolerant, <laughs> you know, because we may have lost the meaning of tolerance. I, and then, oh, gosh, I can't. Nope, I'm going to go into okay, it. Okay, yeah, we're good. This one's a little bit more of a well, heated episode. Gives, <laughs> well, it gives you, you, if you know someone's number, it might give you a uh, pre- like how you approach preconceived them. Like, notions yeah so yeah. like you would go in even if you're like well i'm willing to try but if you go in with that where i'm like there are so many like ray we don't agree about everything do i and how long have we been friends too long i gotta <laughs> go bye yeah. but like you know if we had taken a test like this 11 years ago mm -hmm. and we're like oh according to this i don't think we could really get along like and since then we've gotten like like actually, our differences have <coughs> decreased. They've de yeah, they've decreased, but it also gives us stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. And even if we're heated or we don't agree, there's never like, oh my gosh, I can't be around you anymore. I can't even think of anything that like we. There's not a whole lot now. No. <laughs> not any, not anymore. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just thought of like twenty things. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> But like, like, what's wrong with like, me? Sometimes the differences, like I'm just, I'm tired, I guess, of people labeling themselves. And the thing is, is when they're labeling themselves, it's to give themselves excuses for doing things that they do and being the way that they are. Yeah. So that's the whole relational aspect of it. What about the healing part too? All right. And like I said, what, you don't ever see any physical healings, but usually it's all about the, the mental or, or, uh, well, it's because it's bringing you to your authentic self. Exactly. So uh, and, until there is a shift into working on the inner self, the person is trapped within themselves. And so they are immature. All right. The teaching on the childhood wound shirks the responsibilities to sin and behaviors and creates a victim mentality. Since a child lacks a psychological capacity, they are not fully responsible and in control of their actions later as an adult. All right. It is because a quote unquote childhood wound in which we develop coping mechanisms. All right. So these coping mechanisms are what keep us from becoming our true authentic selves. Therefore, sin is not rebellion against God. It is actually this survival strategy, quote, that we adopt as children that bring us to retreat into his personality number, which succinctly develop or malformed our personalities so we can have experienced something as a child that we automatically just you know there's these coping mechanisms that every human has to 
survive. If something is, if there's too much, your body might shut down the fight or flight. There's all these different things that a psychologist can probably explain it a lot better than what I can, but they're there for the sole purpose of surviving. And what the Enneagram teaches is that as a child, you may or may not have had these childhood wounds and that's in quotation marks and capitalized. Okay. So here's a scenario. As a child, you were maybe eight, nine years old. Something happened that was a little bit tragic. Mom picks you up and gets you out of there. Maybe your house burnt down or there is, uh, there was an attacker invading your home or something, whatever it might be. So what's going to happen is, okay, I'm going to go through the Enneagram and I, oh yeah, you know what? I do remember that when I was young, I was eight or nine. Uh, and, and this is, this happened and that happened and mom picked me up and took me out. So why did mom take you out then? And, and it could be developed with, well, they removed me from my house and I loved my house. You know, I had all my toys in my room and my, my mother took me away from that. So that childhood wound is now turned into your mom is the reason why you're, that you have a horrible time trying to find your inner truer self. All right, now this is just a, a mock scenario that I'm coming up off the top of my head. But what's happening is that there is a lot of resentment being created through the Enneagram because it's twisted to make it sound like these different childhood wounds are much bigger than what they are or something different than what they really are. Or for example, yeah, I got grounded because of this or that. Well, you completely disobeyed your mom, you disobeyed your dad, you know, whatever it might be. And that was the, the discipline that they, they, they enacted. The childhood wound turns that around and says, you know, I have, I have parent issues. I have mom issues, dad issues. And, and that turns it into a horrible situation. Uh, sin is unavoidable as we may not even be aware of how we've been affected by our childhood wound. That's how the Enneagram is teaching it. Uh, the numbers we attribute to reveal those possible quote unquote sins or moral things. How, how did Roar say it? The moral wrongness, sorry. Um, uh, in order to deal with them via the revelation of the inner self, the Enneagram is therefore a necessity for sanctification rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. So we go through our numbers. Uh, we think back through our childhood wounds and stuff like that. And we create it, it. It's something that's being developed that we how we understand things are being re-understood as us being the victim. Now, if we are the victim of sin or our, or a, a moral wrongness, whatever it might be, then whose responsibility is it for our doing wrong? It was mom. It was dad. It's not my fault, you know. And, and now and I'm going to throw out there, I bet anybody and everybody that is for the Enneagram will be like, no, you're you're not you're not understanding it correctly. Oh, no, I'm definitely understanding it correctly. You have to understand how things are being defined. When you have a childhood wound, first of all, it probably didn't happen that way because the Enneagram is teaching you how to understand and interpret what actually happened factually. All right. It's, re it's making you re-understand how things have happened. Even if your things are not like traumatic from a childhood I would say like we're not downplaying those 
either. Like, yes, I, I'm sure that there were things that were hurtful said and done to you that were not actual trauma. But for one thing, the Enneagram is not your answer to anything, whether it was true trauma or not, because if it's freeing you to yourself. It's freeing you to your sinful cage again instead of to freedom in Christ, who is the one who actually will give you healing. Amen. Okay, here's my takeaway. And it's it's actually more of an application for the listeners. Uh, it's something that, you know, yeah, you've heard about the Enneagram and you're kind of, you've took it, you've taken it and you're kind of about it, you know, like you're okay with it. Um, but after listening to this, you might be turned off with, to what we say. <laughs> Definitely. We're a little passionate. Uh, a little passionate. But I want you to, uh, because I've done this, Okay. Step back and see how the Enneagram is affecting people in the long term. All right. Because I'm not going to convince you with just what we're on part three of this. I'm not going to convince you in the fourth one either if you're, if you're about the Enneagram. But I don't want to convince you. I want you to see what it does all on your own. All right. I don't want to be the one that convicts you. I want you to be the one that is convicted by the Holy Spirit. Be convicted by God, not because of what I'm saying. So take a step back, look at how it's affecting different relationships, how it's affecting people's understanding of the Bible, how it's affecting how people function as a church, as a group of believers, all right? And see what's actually happening. Because you can constantly say that it's doing this good and that good and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? The Pharisees even thought Jesus exercised demons and healed people by Beelzebub. So if they thought Jesus was able to do that, wouldn't there be this understanding that it is, that it could happen by Beelzebub? And why would he do that? I mean, Jesus said, no, a house divided against itself. But here's the thing. This house is not being divided. The, 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 Satan is not dividing himself by healing someone or helping someone. What he's doing is making you think that the Enneagram is something that it's not. All right. He's not, div- he's not dividing himself. He's actually being very strategic by saying... Yeah, this, this is good for you. And it's actually Christian, but it's not. Isn't it almost the same as the handing of the apple to Eve? Like, oh, but did God actually say that? Here's this thing. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but part of me is saying, I don't think the Enneagram is asking that question. I think it's completely avoiding that question because we should be asking, did God really say this and that? Because if we actually go to to scripture, we're not going to find it. If the Enneagram says this or that, we're not going to find it. But it's almost promising this. I mean, you know, when you yeah. eat this apple, you're going to be an enlightened and yeah. and knowing good from evil. Well, here, you take this Enneagram and apply it to your life and you'll become more like God. Hmm. Yep. It's appealing. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, because it's about yourself. Mm-hmm. But like, 
I think you can learn about yourself. I, I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing <coughs> when you're doing it for purposes of, oh, like I've learned this about myself. That's something I need to work on. Like it's okay to know your strengths and your weaknesses, but not in a way that's like uh, very self-absorbed. <laughs> so that was my takeaway. Okay. I don't have a whole lot of one, but I have found <laughs> this. Somebody wrote a um, devotional, and it's like a different a, a Bible verse for each, specifically for each number. Oh, Lord have mercy. But like, and the reason, and then there's like a whole bunch more of them. And yeah. so you end up interpreting scripture through, and I'm going to give you this example. Like, so some of the things that they end up applying are like, okay, that is a truth in scripture. Like the, the takeaway of the scripture is yes, God does love you. Yes, you are redeemed in him as his child, you know, all these things. But like, it's not being done properly, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But this one's like, so for a type eight, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The takeaway is because of Christ in you, you are protected and you will not be betrayed. For which Enneagram number is that? An eight. An eight. I think I was an eight. Interesting. Yeah, like, or, you know, a seven is John four fourteen. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Because of Christ in you, you can be completely satisfied. He has a planned a magnificent future for you. Okay, my magnificent future, though, is in glory. It doesn't mean I'm going to have a magnificent future here. Maybe I could. I'm not saying I can't. Yeah. But when you take that stuff and apply that all the time, maybe that's why some people are walking away from Christianity because they're being promised these things that aren't an actual promise. Yeah. I'm confused how they can just pick out a verse and be like, yeah, this applies to you. Like, Well, they go to Bible Gateway. <laughs> they do a search. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll go with that one. I just... Like, it doesn't even make sense. The Bible wasn't even written specifically. Like, your turn. I hate this part. (laughs) So on the spot. I just, uh, the one thing that just really stuck out to me was how basically the, I think the overarching theme is that there's actually no accountability for yourself. You're just giving Mm. excuses. And then that leads to the whole, you know, the whole death to self thing. That just makes it void. At that point, if you can just make an excuse to say, oh, I, I can do this because I'm this. And I'm now my true authentic self. And then it just makes it like, oh, I don't need to have myself die for this because I have an excuse to not. There's no accountability whatsoever. It's stupid. I can't handle it. I'm getting angry. So does that mean once you've reached your true authentic self? So like put Richard Rohr aside. And, like, just say there's Christians taking it because they want to find out more about themselves and serve God better. But does that mean when you've reached that, you no longer have to repent because you're back with God? Yeah. Like, does that mean you'll never sin or have a moral wrong done ever again? Because, like, I, I, on, I like legitimately want to know from people who do this for that purpose, what does your true authentic self mean to you? Because... When I hear that, like, a lot of people are then, you know, realizing 
oh, this is about my personality and this and that, and that's why I do this. Well, I could tell you that. It's your sin nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, or the good things are because it's Christ in you. Like, there is no just you. It's either sin in you or Christ in you. And yep. you don't need an Enneagram to tell you that. Yeah. Well, to to uh, backpedal a little bit to what Ray Lynn said, that there's no accountability. Richard Rohr is a universalist, which means he believes that all people are already saved. And that Jesus is, is not that, the only way to and God. And that Jesus is not the only way to God. So, <clears throat> so with that, of course, we don't need accountability then. Because if everything is lined up the way that it is, then we just live out our lives the, the way that we mean to. And that goes back again to, you know, there's actually no sin. There's no fallen state of humanity. We just need to realize the godness in us. We have to find out our true authentic selves. I have a question. Yeah. It seems like a lot of churches in general are just doing the Enneagram. I'm curious to see where a progressive church would land on it, especially because they're like, live your truth. So does that mean they even care about this true self thing? Well, you can find your your truth down one of those paths, I would assume. That's true. Yeah. But do yeah. they need someone to tell them that? Or are they just like, possibly? Yeah, because I, 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 like, I don't think progressive Christians are, are like, oh, gosh, I have a... Okay, yes, this is my set truth. A lot of them, especially college age, I, I'm convinced that a lot of people are going to college not to find out... Uh, different things in a subject, but they go to college to find themselves. And they might have an inkling towards uh, a science or a, or a history or math or whatever it might be. Uh, and they'll take those classes then and see what kind of people are in that group. You know, and they try to find themselves. And I, th- I would think that a progressive Christian, especially a younger would, would want to do the Enneagram to have a better idea of what that living their truth would look like because they honestly have absolutely no idea. I, th- I, I honestly think that the college age group that is of this right now, you know, the college ages right now are absolutely clueless as to who Everything. they are. Because <laughs> they're being told by how many different places who they should be and what they should do. Yeah. Oh, but but then on the flip side, it's you know there's all these wrongs, you know there that what is it like the whole whiteness thing? It's because you have a whiteness about you that that's that's what makes you racist and stuff like that. So it makes me wonder. Well, hey, um, if that's true, who has been teaching me that? It's been the schools. It's been the institutions. It's been <clears throat> especially the colleges. Enter Raylan's story. All right. So I work for a pregnancy center and we do, there's a big college where, you know, we, the town it's located in has a big college. I don't want to like no, that's fine. throw it out of the bus or anything. Um, <laughs> there's, a lot that, of, there's a lot of big colleges. Yeah. Go ahead. So um, we do a table there once a month to just get the word out because we offer free STI testing and treatment. So we're sitting at this table and we had started at 11 and this was around one o'clock. We were very curious. The the table next to us had stickers, but we, like, we weren't really paying attention because we give out stickers too. 
and um, the lady I was with asked one of the students who had come to our table, like, oh, what's that table over there for? There were three students around us. And the first one goes, oh, they're for abortion rights. And immediately, like, I put my hand over my mouth. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is the moment. This is it. I was like, <laughs> oh, Lord, here it comes. So I just I kept my mouth shut. And then, like, a, one of the girls was like, oh, they're like a, a, a liberal group. And then the one was like, oh, they're the progressive club. And, like, honestly, they weren't really giving, like, straightforward answers as to what this group actually was, which we went on their social media later. They're, like, they're progressive, not progressive Christianity, just, like, progressive on-campus group, whatever. Well, we kind of let it go. I had to – I kept my cool. The lady with me kept her cool. You know, we were all cool and stuff. Well, then they closed down their table. They cleaned up everything, and we were still sitting there. And the one kid who was working their table had walked over to ours and looked at our stickers. So me, I'm like, all right. I, I, we have like these little cards that we hand out. And I was like, uh, yeah, the stickers are free. You just have to take information about our services. We offer free STI testing and treatment. And I cut it off there because I was like, well, that's not pregnancy. That's just STI testing. <laughs> like you can't really, both guys and girls can get that. So I just cut it off there. I said it with a smile. And the lady with me goes, yeah, if you go to the health center on campus, they do charge you. And the girl who was with him at that table walked up behind him and was like, yeah, but at least they don't give you a Bible with it and walked away. And, like, it's one of those moments where you just go <laughs> like that and you're just, like, yeah. trying to process do, it. Do they give a Bible every time, though? No. no. You don't have to take yeah. it. And that's what they offer if, it. But yeah, that's if it. they offer it, you still don't it's have to your, take it. It's your, quote, yeah. choice as to whether to take it or not. The same thing that you want to argue with us about. Oh, my gosh. It's one of those moments where after the fact, I, like, had this beautiful argument in my head. I'm like, man, I could have got her with it. Because, like, it's <laughs> – oh, here I go. You guys are going to hear the argument that I literally had with myself this morning. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, it is hypocritical. Okay? We're offer they – Okay. <laughs> Okay. Usa. 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 Unagi. Go ahead. Okay. So they, they want this right to choose. But they get mad when people choose our organization to come get this STI test that we're offering for free. That you have a choice to come there versus going to the health center on campus. And I think it's a little hypocritical to get mad that, yeah, we offer a Bible, but you're going to stand there and make snide remarks about it to me? Isn't that what you're saying that we do? That's what you're doing. How is that not? Oh, gosh. Like, I, I just. Another example of what doublespeak is. It's, because, it's... It, because it's like it, those little euphemisms that mm -hmm. you, you just throw in there. Just let me just put that down there and haha, -ha, I won the point and walk away before anybody could say anything yeah. in return. And that's the other yeah. thing. Like that's like if you want to sit and have a civil conversation, by all means, let's do it. We can we I will attempt to do it or yeah. I'll ask <laughs> and I'll that, ask someone to take it on my behalf. Yeah. And that goes back to what I said earlier. This generation that's in college right now has absolutely no idea what purpose their lives are and why why is suicide up especially in that age group because they have no idea and they think that their purpose is that kind of thing just to yeah i i've flexed my muscles i i've i've put my brain out there i put my thoughts and that means i'm great newsflash that was unintelligent 
Yeah, like when did it become okay for you to just come and like make a comment like that yeah. and walk away? Like if you really wanted to defend your like defend this that you think that it is the utmost most amazing belief, stand there and fight for it then. Yeah. So <clears throat> with that, how about if you're about the Enneagram, come defend it. Yeah. We'd love to talk yeah. to you. I won't Please be involved. send an email, whatever, <laughs> you know, private message, whatever that you that you want to do. Just, you know, let's have a conversation. Because I, I, I'd like to ask questions, too. But a lot of people are very hush hush about it in our area. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I was going to kind of respond to to you, Ray, about your progressive Christian mm -hmm. thing. Um, I would say what I have found as either progressive Christians or churches that are just more uh, emotional and because I don't want to emotionally I don't, charged. I don't necessarily yeah. think that every church who grasps onto some things is actually progressive, but they're not super deep either. Those are the ones where I see it being used. Most of the people that I talk to that are that take theology and doctrine seriously are not for it. And I think it's because, like, you have the side that actually doesn't take the doctrine and theology seriously, so they're not even looking into why it might contradict the Enneagram. Yeah. Or they already have a preconceived notion. Yeah. Uh, like, especially with the NAR, New Apostolic yeah. Reformation, they think that because they're a part of an NAR, whether they're aware of it or not, uh, that they're a part of it, it's a Reformation. So I'm already... I've already been refined, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no reason for me to, uh, engage in the old theologies. That if, and if people just don't that. even want to go there. Like, no, they don't. I'm digging my heels in. I like this and yeah. that's your I'm problem. comfortable. Yeah. 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 We're too comfortable. I really don't, I don't know how many people actually listen to something or, or read something that they know outright might go against something that they're thinking or believing or that they like. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you, if far. you made it this far. <laughs> congratulations. And, uh, yeah, congratulations. And uh, we appreciate it. We really do listening in. And uh, share, share episodes, share our uh, Facebook, our website, whatever you might have. Give us a like to get those alder, alder, algorithms Algorithm. going. Algorithms. Algorithms. <laughs> And if you're interested, you can email us at contact at onefear.net with any questions, comments, and or <clears throat> concerns. And uh, per the usual, live, live such, such good, good lives. lives.